welcome to this episode of the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. This is Dr. Hillary Lampers, and I'm sitting here with Ryan, of course. And we are in the process of putting out a bunch of new podcasts uh, for the next month or so. And we were in Salt Lake City at the Western Hunting Expo a couple of weeks ago, and we had so much fun. We were, um, we were in the company of a lot of great people. Yeah, we met some of our fans, actually, people who are coming up to us and saying thank you for what we are doing and talking to us about recipes and what they've tried and what they like and problems they've had with it. And that was really fun for both of us to see that people are uh, yeah, actually was, reading what we're putting out there. It was surprising, actually. I had no idea. Um, guys were actually coming up and <clears throat> talking about certain recipes and I don't know actually probably more of the ladies were asking about like gardening and and more of the men were asking like uh health questions to you like yeah. what can I do <laughs> I'm a mess I need help yeah we uh, should I check my testosterone I was joking with Ryan uh, the last night we were there we were at a function and he, yeah he's sitting there talking to these beautiful young attractive women about gardening and soil quality and you know, keeping pre- rodents away from the garden, like all these crazy things. I said, geez, are we getting old or something? This is like what we're talking to people about it at a dinner party. But from that, we realized, so Ryan realized how many people uh, in his world, you know, you guys are hunters and fishermen and you you know that really well, but you, you may not understand growing your own food and the process that that goes through and you may want to do more of that and obviously depending on where you live and how easy it is and stuff uh, this is kind of the, the the time of the year where we start to talk about these things plan and get ready for, for well, the spring and i think and, when we started this podcast we, we weren't really exactly sure where it was going to go you know i just figured i'd probably be talking a lot of hunting i'd get a chance to you know share some stories and and uh, kind of go into some gear and whatnot, and it's it's definitely kind of evolving. Uh, we're definitely going to m- kind of go that direction, but I think a lot of folks are super interested about growing your own food. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the other aspect of doing yourself. And the yourself. health benefits of it. So again, yeah. what Ryan mentioned, the guys are coming up to me. It's, it's pretty common for people to introduce themselves to me and tell the, tell me their health histories, but. I've noticed a, uh, I, I think men are starting to take note and they want to live health, uh, longer, healthier lives now. And uh, that was that was something for me, too. So we're actually going to try blending a lot of these things. And you'll notice in some of the podcasts that we have coming up, some of the guests that we have coming on, which is going to be really exciting. We're going to be blending some of of uh, the gardening and, and the health and... I mean, lifestyle well, stuff yeah, like we have be doing... been doing, but I think you'll see more of us tying that in because we learned a lot uh, of what people are what people are looking for, what you guys are looking for out there. So uh, that's well, that's like one we of my <clears throat> obviously one of my big passions is hunting. I think also secondary is well, I don't know if it's still secondary. Yeah, it's still secondary is is the gardening and just little projects like uh, meal preps and and trying to grow my own food and and trying to create unique different recipes and things that I can do myself so I'm not so reliant on the grocery store or buying from 
from the market or, you know, trying to rely on other people. I'd much rather do all of that myself. So that's kind of where we're going to steer this thing, I think. And um, so what we thought we would talk about today is because we are getting really close to gardening season. So we're coming up on spring. Uh, got some nice sunny days going here. Still getting a little snow, but it's melting off to, uh, you know, like nice sunny days. And it's kind of just feeling like we're getting close. I'm going to start doing some uh, some early, you know, seeds here pretty quick in the hothouse. And so we will be way ahead of the game. But so we thought we'd just kind of give an outline as to why we garden. Um, we're going to talk about talk about that and um, and a little bit of how to if you're just getting started in it. So, um, Hill, mm-hmm. why why do we garden? What are the reasons why we do it? <laughs> oh, to give us something else. To There's do. many many reasons. <laughs> <clears throat> I think on the top of the list is self sufficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a nutrition undergrad and that's, that, that's really where it started for me, uh, gardening and <clears throat> my mid, our mid twenties when we were married and figuring that out was because I was taking a ton of nutrition classes. I was learning a lot of biochemistry, learning about how food affects our bodies and our brains and all this stuff. And I realized, wow, I think growing around food, you just have much more control over it and it's pretty satisfying when you do grow something that's good and works out. It doesn't always work out, but that I think was kind of top on the list for us was becoming more sustainable because we were doing that with meat. We've, we've always been really lucky with that with Ryan hunting and fishing, but we wanted, I, I really wanted to be more self-sufficient with the fruits and vegetables and knowing where they come from, especially when it comes to contaminants. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's uh there's a whole laundry list of reasons why I could list. Um first of all, I I like to do it. Um I enjoy it. I I think the quality is better. I think the taste is obviously way better. I mean, anybody who's eaten um, you know, like a a tomato off the vine that that you've grown yourself versus something that you would bought in a store, it's night and day. It's not even like it's the same fruit. So, um you know, nutrient level, I think you're, you're able to kind of control that and, uh, with the soil that you, that you've built up hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I think you're getting a lot more there. Um, cost is huge cause I'm a cheapskate. So, you know, buying food these days at the grocery store, it costs a ton of money. And especially if you're going to buy organic, it's a fortune if you're, if you're doing that every week. So, uh, yeah, know, when we were first married, I was going to Whole Foods. I was a I was a food snob. Ryan is more of a food snob now than I am, I think which is anybody kind of that funny. goes into Whole Foods <laughs> is a food snob. But I was in school, you know. I was learning all. This is this is the thing too with school is you just start learning so much stuff. You you become very overzealous, really. And I I but when it came to food, because I had had some health problems as a teenager, and truthfully, I was cured by eating healthier food. That I just. I just basically said, this is where I'm going to spend my money. And Ryan at that time was not a food snob. He really was more concerned about the money. And I remember he went to Whole Foods with me one time and he saw the bill and he just freaked out. And I said, listen, do you complain when I cook these meals and cook these foods and you eat healthy? He said, no. I said, listen, I don't have any other addictions like drugs or alcohol or party. And I don't spend my money on clothes and 
I'm going to spend my money on good food. And that's the way it is. And he, he said, okay, all right. I'm just not going to come grocery shopping with you because that is too hard for me to, yeah, to well, take. Yeah, well, at Whole Foods, you, you go in there and you get like a half of a shopping cart full and it's like 150 bucks. Well, now that I have a family and two kids and it's different. I mean, it was just me and Ryan back then, right? So I wasn't buying tons of food, but now I've got two kids. Yeah, I go to Whole Foods. It's just, it's a treat now. I go there and I'm usually taking my daughter there to have lunch or something I, or buying one bag of groceries, but I, I've become cheaper. I've become more money efficient. So growing that garden really decreased our grocery bill. Oh, it saved us a fortune. <laughs> I mean, there, and plus, you know, you get, you get to grow what you want. You, <clears throat> you save a ton of money in the long run. Now, like everything else, like if you're just getting into a hunt and like you you spend a ton of money out of the gates, but hopefully you can use, you know, quality gear for years to come. So it, it kind of cheapens the price. Same thing with gardening. If you do it right, there's a little bit of an investment. Say you're building the, you know, the raised beds or the greenhouse or all that can cost money. And the seeds, um, you know, if you, when you're just starting, you you might go out and buy kind of a more expensive like start so you're buying starts instead of starting them from seed whereas if you you know you use the right seeds like heirloom seeds which is just something that's been passed down it's not a hybrid it's it's not a gmo it's something that you can you know grow it let that seed and then use those seeds down the line so all these things those are seeds that you're going to use forever if you do it right so it gets really cheap you know, you're not having to go buy new seeds every year and you're not having to having to buy new starts every year. You just do it all yourself. So it gets really cheap if you're uh, if you're going long term. Growing a garden, obviously having a hunter in the family, having that good meat, having a garden uh, and maybe not even all year round garden. Obviously, if you live in the north, you may not have that. If you live south, like Arizona, New Mexico, California, you 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 could possibly have a garden all year round and, you know, be having that. But it is going to save so much money that it, it, it's worth it. Even if yeah. it takes you a couple years to make that back. It's like hunting. Oh, come on. Hunting is not cheap. Ryan tries to bring that argument to me. And I'm like, how much did that cost? How much did that co-? I don't even want to know anymore. But I do know that when I go to the grocery store, and I see what people are paying. I literally text Ryan pictures of uh, like he went fishing up in Vancouver Island uh, and he brought home a bunch of, I don't know, a ling cod or something. And Ling's halibut sandwich. Yeah, there was a same fish. He literally just bought a box of it home. Uh, <clears throat> it, it was like $26 a pound at Whole Foods. I took a picture of it and sent it to him like, holy cow. He's like, yeah, you're spoiled. Like you don't understand how much, how expensive this is. So, uh, money is, you know, besides being more self-sufficient money is probably the second biggest reason that we do it for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, organic versus non-organic one, one that way that we garden is, um, pretty much everything's organic. We, we don't add like, um, you know, anything, any synthetic fertilizers or anything like that, you know, it's, it's just fertilizers that, that are coming off of, you know, I, I've got chicken, so I use the manure from that, which is, um, which is great. And then also, you know, like, you know, fish carcasses and stuff like that, all the stuff you need to grow a really good garden. Um, so I'm not adding any junk stuff that you buy in a bag or, or whatever. So, uh, 
everything that we're doing here is definitely organic. Maybe you can explain the difference between organic and non-organic, just so folks know. I prefer in my life, just because of the research that I've done and being a physician and you know, really understanding biochemistry and how our bodies work and how our bodies are affected by chemicals in our environment that I choose, if I had the choice, I would choose organic over non-organic. And the reason for that is, is that in the United States, there's pretty stringent organic regulations. Uh, Now, In order to say that you have an organic product, you have to have a USDA organic sticker, uh, which means that you have followed through basically with the USD's regulations of your farm and your livestock. Uh, There's a long list of those to become organic, but just a few of them are, you know, you have to, uh, you can't use uh, sewage sludge or radiation on your food. You can't use synthetic uh, fertilizers, pesticides. You can't use GMO seed. Uh, if you are using fertilizers, you can't have, say, like if you're using a chicken manure or something like that, you can't have those chickens be fed a GMO or anything, you know, antibiotics in their food or anything with growth hormones, any of that junk as well, right? Yeah, no, and you have to kind of do this, and they call it an environment environmentally sound, so they have an organic system plan, and with farming, um, it basically comes down to, you know, fertility management systems when you're, when you're growing things from a seed, and so they have requirements in the manure, the way you treat weeds, the way you treat disease, and then pest management of your crops, and the biggest thing for me in that is that they're not going to be using synthetic fertilizers, pesticides. And the reason why that's so important from the research that I've done and being in clinical practice and seeing so many people that I believe have had toxic exposures, likely from the the time they were children, is that I don't want to be consuming those in my food if I don't have to. Now, Conventional farming, there's, we could go off on a whole podcast about, you know, Roundup Ready seeds and conventional farmers and the crops that they're growing. When Ryan and I are gardening, we are choosing organic, we're, we're, chanting, we're, we're choosing organic, and what that means is that we're choosing to grow our food without using synthetic pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers. We do use natural fertilizers. We make some. We use. Uh, we do use some herbicides and pesticides naturally. That yeah, and it, are... I kind of like it. You can make like a fish meal with just old, you know, salmon carcasses and do all this, and yeah. it's kind of fun for me. I'd, I'd much rather do that and use it and get a huge benefit than um, than buying something. And yeah, but I would say if you have a young family, if you're thinking about uh, having a family, especially with children. Pesticides and herbicides are big uh, endocrine disruptors. And I don't know what uh, that means. What, <laughs> so your endocrine system is, is basically your hormonal system. And we're going to be really getting into hormones here in the next few weeks. I'm, write, I've written some, I'm writing some blogs on hormones, what they do in your body, and then some of the ways that they disrupt our systems. 
Uh, DDT, we've probably all heard of DDT, right? When we were kids, we weren't kids. DDT was outlawed by the time Ryan and I were born. But when our parents and our grandparents were kids, it was widely used after World War II. And they used to use it as basically the, the end-all, be-all to get rid of small and larger pests. So they would go through literally towns, farms. They would just spray it randomly. I mean, my grandma, my, I mean, my grandparents remember running behind the DDT truck. They'd come through town, they spray, and they, it's like create a big fog, and the kids loved it, and they'd run behind it. And uh, th- those DDT was found. One of the big reasons it started was bald eagles were dying off. Because all of a sudden they realized bald eagles don't do very well with DDT. And we were using DDT as a pesticide to apply to crops. And then, of course, we were eating that. The, the whole argument of DDT is that, okay, well, now we've outlawed it. It's been out of the system for a while. But if you take samples from almost anybody on this planet, you will find DDT you will find a body burden of DDT in their system. 99% of the people tested by the CDC have a body burden of some DDT. From way back when they used it. So how is it that over 99% of people tested are showing a body burden of DDT when you and I weren't even born yet when DDT had been out? And DDT, isn't that, um, didn't they determine, that's that's like a major cancer-causing pesticide, right? Well, one of the big things is, and I've written a blog on this, and it's called The War on Masculinity. And this is why all men, 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 all you guys out there, you really need to listen to this. And it's not a lecture. It's not hype. It's, I'm not telling you things like I'm trying to scare you. But these endocrine disruptors very much affect the male hormonal system. Okay, so DDT is in a group of chemicals called persistent organic pollutants, POPs. That's what we'll refer to them as, okay? So one of the biggest um, problems that these persistent organic uh, pollutants cause is they call endocrine disruption, that big word I said in the beginning. But in men, the biggest problem that they cause is hormonal disruption. The reason for that, a lot of these POPs are estrogen mimickers, so they are put Is this in the culprit? Is this why men can't even change a tire or their oil these days? <laughs> well, there's theories. There's theories on that. And like the reason my blog is called The War on Masculinity is a lot of people hear that and you could think of a million different reasons right now, like feminism and politics and no, it's really comes down to the chemical level. There's a there is a war on hormones. And men, especially, we're seeing the most, we're seeing huge effects in because men are not supposed to have a lot of estrogen-like things going on in their body. Testosterone is the, ma- is the, is the main male hormone. All we, men and women, we all have the same hormone compositions. I mean, we have the same hormones in our body. We have different levels of each. Obviously, men have more testosterone. Women have more estrogens and progesterone. Men do not have progesterone, okay? So what these chemicals do, like DDT, there's another group. You've probably heard of it, phthalates. Those are found in plastics. Yeah, so those are found in plastics. They're binders in perfumes. They bind fragrance in perfumes. 
They're found in lotions, women. And I, I'm not going to come down on women here because it's not our fault. You know, we're, we're slathering ourselves. I've talked about this in other podcasts. We're slathering ourselves and makeups and lotions and perfumes and we look beautiful and we smell great. Men are doing the same now. The, you know, you're doing your hair and putting your deodorant on all these things. If they're, if they contain any phthalates, parabens, um, there's kind of a long list of chemicals in there. Those are all estrogen mimicking. So the studies have shown that women who are pregnant with boys and they have the sad thing is, is there's no avoiding this anymore. We all have them. You know, we we think we live a fairly clean life. I can look around this house right now. How much plastic do I see? You know, our world is easier because of plastic. Yeah. Go to a hospital. Look at the IV bags. Look at the reason that people, millions of people live today is because of plastic. The reason you can get on an airplane and you can fly from here to Beijing in a day is because there's plastic. Okay? So I... You can't get away from it, but there are ways that you can change it. So if, if, if you're having a boy and you're consuming these plastics, you're putting these things on your body, that goes straight through the placenta into the baby boy. And the research is showing that this is causing problems with penis size and scrotal size. Yeah. And it's causing problems in dissension of testicles at a young age. So... And then on top of it, you're having men and young men in their 20s having testosterone deficiency. And then what do you see with that? Man boobs. Weight around the middle. Now think I of an old... men driving around giant jacked up trucks and not able to change a tire. Here, and here's the thing is that it's also causing male infertility. Uh, that's because these... These things are like estrogen mimickers. So you, they go into your body through your skin. You eat them. You breathe them in. However they get in there. And they bind to estrogen receptors. And so they mimic estrogen. And <clears throat> this is not good for men. It's not good for women, excess estrogen. And it's not good for men. Choosing less pesticides and choosing foods with less pesticides is going to decrease one avenue of getting those pops into your body yep Yep. well said holy smokes we went from garden to uh, organic to plastics well i think whenever we talk to men about their you know what's and testosterone they probably perked up a little bit right there yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i agree there's so many reasons like i mentioned before uh the the health of it is obviously one i don't I'd, i'd just rather just like meat I'd rather go grow it and know exactly what's in it. And I think everybody who has like been around a garden and been able to eat the food out of it has tasted the difference. Like there's no contest. I mean, just, and I think it's obviously it's the nutrient value, right? It's because I, I know when I'm planting my garden, like this time of year, it's all about soil prep. So the chickens are running around fertilizing the garden. You know, you're adding all your clippings and leaves and everything you can to your garden. And you're, you're just jacking up the nutrient level in your soil. And that's going to translate when you end up picking that stuff later. Um, and it's just going to taste a whole lot better. So, well, there was an interesting study that came out recently in the last couple of years from Stanford. They did a study where they took conventional food and they took organic food and they tested the nutrients and they said there was no nutrient deficient. There was no nutrient 
changes. So that says, sure, you know, don't don't worry about organic food, buy conventional Here's food. Here's the reason I'm not buying it, because I know how some mass, you know, produced vegetables come, come to be. And it, there's a lot of, there's just, there's not the organic matter, there's not the nutrient level that, that like, say, I've got in my soil versus a big giant farm where they've basically been farming it year after year after year after year, um, you know, whether it they change the crops over every once in a while or not, they're just not able to, you know, um, you know, soak up the same amount of nutrients that I'm, I'm putting into my garden every single year. You can still have a really ripe tomato out of a store versus, you know, I'll pick a bunch of green tomatoes as well, set them on the counter if, if, you know, they're getting close and yeah, it takes a while. And once they, once they get, you know, ready, they still got a way better flavor. So I attribute that to the nutrient value in the soil. Overall, yeah, that would yeah. be it. I'd say in the grocery stores, just because they're picking them early or shipping them away far, they froze. Aren't they doing stuff when they, like, put them in cold warehouses? They're changing temperatures. They're trying to keep them from going bad. I mean, yeah, I don't know. it seems to sure. me like that would change the nutrient quality as well. I, I have to research that more. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, going back to the organic, um, I know some people have probably heard of that. There's like there was a list composed, like back in 2010 or something, that everybody was talking about. I remember you talking about it quite a bit, and it was called the Dirty Dozen. Um, that was basically just a list talking about certain, like if you were going to have to pick which vegetables you absolutely want to have that are organic. Like if you go to the store and you don't want to like blow your entire wad on organic vegetables, but maybe you'll blow half of it on organic vegetables. Um, there was 12, I think that they came up with fruits and vegetables that you don't want to compromise. You want to make sure you get these in organic. And um, I can kind of list those. It's, it's peaches, apples, bell peppers, Celery, nectarines, strawberries, cherries, pears, grapes, spinach, lettuce, and potatoes. So why those vegetables versus other ones like onions, you know, avocados, certain, you know, bananas, cabbage, broccoli, all that kind of stuff. Why are those 12, you know, why do you want to buy those in organic versus certain other ones that aren't as big of a deal? Why do you think that is? Probably my top two reasons would be one, the one on the Dirty Dozen list, they have thinner skin. So if you spray them, there's maybe more water absorption of the chemical into the actual food. And secondly, I, I think those foods, pests don't like those foods on the non-organic list. They don't really like broccoli and cabbage and onions and garlic. They're uh, repellent foods, really. So I don't think you have to spray those foods as much because they're not getting pests yeah, for sure, garlic and onions. Yep. Yep, I would just say, you know, look at the foods and your berries and strawberries and things that you're going to be popping in your mouth. If you can buy those organic, that's the best. But And we'll probably talk about that a little bit now, seasonal eating anyways. Yeah, that's, that's another thing we talk about. Um, I mean, what do you think about, you know, you go into the grocery store right now and you find like... Uh, you can find berries year round here, right? Um, so most of these berries, I don't know where they're coming from. They're not fresh. California, California Mexico, probably. Uh, should we be? Should 
should we be buying that stuff this time of year or should we just kind of be more seasonal with what we're eating? Cause, uh, I know I could, I could do without, you know, we eat a ton of vegetables over the summer, right? I mean, we're eating spinach in the beginning of the garden season. We're eating, you know, bok choy and, and all kinds of salad food greens. And then once they start to fade, we've obviously at that point, we've made a bunch of like kale powders. So that kind of gets us through. We can kind of add kale powder to everything and still get some greens in our diet. But <clears throat> what do you think about by buying a bunch of spinach in the off season? Obviously, it's it's coming from somewhere else. Still okay? Yeah, I think for for us, as far as spinach goes and those kinds of greens, I notice we don't eat as much in <clears throat> the winter. That's another awesome reason we made that kale powder is we realized we had so many greens that were going bad because our greens grow pretty long here we can go quite a while like through november having greens still well i've got i'm looking out in the garden right now and i've got kale out there i could go pick because i always leave a few in because before the garden starts those older stands always start growing again so i've got a bunch of kale like starting to regrow with a little bit of warmer weather well, that's why that kale powder is so awesome. We have that recipe on our website. It's just dehydrated kale. And we made like, we made four mason jars of it, smaller mason jars in our freezer. And that's going to last us way that right over there the winter. right there is a ton of kale. You wouldn't think of it just by looking at it. But yeah, it takes a lot to fill up those jars with powder. We do that. And I also think that for berries and things, we, we harvest a lot of our berries from the summer. So we have a ridiculous amount of raspberries in our yard. They were in, they were like that when we bought this house and we've kind of moved them around, but we get a lot of raspberries. We also have blueberry farms. Oh, we got tons of blackberries. Obviously they're a weed here, so they grow like crazy. And then we have lots of blueberry farms around us where we'll, we have a couple little blueberry bushes. We don't have as many blueberries as I would like, but we're, we are raspberry fat here in my yard because I've got, I don't know, it's just so many. It's just, it's unlimited amount of, so that is awesome to do because you can make shakes with them all winter long, just like the kale powder. Um, we just, I just lay them out and then, um, you know, individually get them frozen and put those in bags and then just store up bags right alongside your meat in your freezer. So you've got tons of bags going into the... So we don't really buy, I notice maybe this time of year, so there's a few berries I like the best. I like the blueberries the best. And every winter, I wish that I had picked more blueberries because we go through the blueberries pretty quick. Um, We don't freeze any of our strawberries. We don't grow enough strawberries to freeze them. And there is, I mean, fresh strawberries are the way to go. So usually what we're doing is we're eating our strawberries up as they grow. We have a we have a fall crop that comes in too, but we're going to eat all those up if the bugs don't get to them first, the slugs or whatever. But uh, so I would say in the winter for us, we've harvested those foods. And so we have them in the winter. But if I, if I didn't have them having that natural affinity for like a straw, a fresh strawberry in the winter, I, d- I notice I I'm don't even totally, have that affinity totally like I do in the summer. eating the stuff that I'm not picking fresh. So I don't need to go buy strawberries at the store. I'd, I'd prefer not to. I just prefer to, you know, get those in the summer. Um, it's more of a seasonal thing and get them when they're fresh than, than buy them from something made in Mexico or wherever they're coming from, California. Yeah, we have 
we have such a different uh, shopping situation than it used to be not even that long ago. You know, most people lived in an area. They grew food, foods that could grow in their area. They ate, like here in the Northwest, you know, they ate fish and seafood most of the year round. And then they were eating berries in the fall, summer and fall. And then they were, <clears throat> now you can go to the grocery store and get anything from anywhere, any time of the year. So if you live someplace like here, you, you can do that. But remember how much packaging and storage is going on with all these foods and how far they've come. We don't have, we don't grow banana trees here. We don't grow like mango trees here. So those things are coming a long way. They've usually been stored a long time. Uh, and storage is going to decrease some nutrient value. There's no doubt picking like a fresh mango off a tree and eating it, the nutrient value as it's sitting in a box for however long is likely going to decrease the nutrient value some. That's just how antioxidants work. They don't hang around for a super long time. That's why when you see a vegetable that looks like it's on its last leg in the store, it's gone through a long process to get there and it's just kind of slowly lost all its antioxidant and some of its nutrients. So I would say too, thinking about that when you're eating seasonally, also thinking about where the food's coming from and where you live and how long it took to get there and you know, for us, we do a lot of soups and stews. and. Well, I mean, this all kind of goes back to what you should be doing with your food at the end of the season. You should be putting it up. Um, that There's no reason why you shouldn't be. It's it's canning. It's making soups and canning nose and tomato sauce and freezing stuff. And um, there's so many ways you can do it between the powders and, and all that. But uh, And then, yeah, you just don't have to spend all your money in the winter buying foods that aren't fresh. So, again, it comes back to... I like doing it, but I'm also a cheapskate. And when I go see like all these frozen blueberries for like 15 bucks a bag, I'd rather not buy those and just use the ones out of my freezer that I picked. Well, for me too, Ryan grows some amazing tomatoes and he makes salsa, salsa and he makes spaghetti sauce. I mean, we're eating on spaghetti sauce all winter, which is great because the kids love it and it's an easy food to make and you can put, put it in so much stuff. But I don't even have the desire this time of year to buy a tomato at the store. Even even if they look juicy and plump and red, I just ew, they're going to taste horrible. Because once you start growing your own food, like you grow, any of you out there who've grown your own tomatoes, your own strawberries, and you eat one, and then you get one from the grocery store, and you're just like, what a waste of money. Why did I buy that? And <clears throat> some of those things aren't cheap. Strawberries are not cheap. Even conventional strawberries aren't that cheap at the grocery store and tomatoes aren't that cheap you know for me it's like I'm gonna I know that when I eat all this tomato sauce that Ryan's made from his hot house grown tomatoes uh, I know I'm getting way more nutrient value out of probably having a couple you know meals a week with that than I would be buying these tomatoes in the middle of winter here uh, and it's gonna save us a lot of money and also I just eat more tomatoes in the summer we just eat more of those foods in the summer than we're going to eat this time of year. So, so yeah. <clears throat> what it all boils down to is I would definitely encourage anybody to start a garden. I think most people can do something no matter where they live. It's like, you know, we've got a pretty good chunk of property here that we've got all this this area. But even if you don't have much, I mean, you can throw, you can put, you can grow quite a bit of stuff in just these pots, you know, pot planting and um you know, shoot, you can use, you can put a raised bed about anywhere. You can use tires, you can use cinder blocks, you can use, you know, we use cedar planks and, and, and do that. And it, you know, just 
even if you're just like in an area that's got cruddy, crappy soil, hard pan, whatever rocks, you build up a little raised bed and you can add good soil to it and you can, you know, amend it with, with all this good stuff. Um, you know, you can put extra, extra nutrients in there and, um, worms if you want, or worm castings or this and that and, and grow whatever you want. Pretty easy to do. Um, you know, and it's, it's really just about finding a good location and making sure you've got the right soil and and figuring out what you want to plant. Uh, every area kind of has its own unique, uh, climate for what you can plant, what you can grow. Um, you know, certain times of the year, we, we do really well with spinach and, and certain greens here early in the spring before it gets really hot and other things, you know, we plant do really well later and, and take a longer growing season like sweet potatoes and stuff like that. We just, we just can't really get, we can't really the, grow sweet potatoes. We here. can't get the long Sad. 120 so day growing season, um, of real warm temperatures to grow that. That's but. why we're going to like. Gonna like buy a place in Hawaii we can grow avocados <laughs> all the foods I love really that would be so good we would be totally self-sufficient if we could grow like an avocado tree olives uh some of these things we make oil out of them coconuts <laughs> I mean we eat a lot of that stuff right but if you live in areas where you can grow that stuff yeah you're getting we've got getting a lot. really long growing season comparable to yeah. a lot of like mountain states you know it's we just don't get enough heat yeah but yeah, and but you know, take us versus some areas in Montana. It's it's night and day. We got a lot longer season than what they've got. So oh, yeah, we're able to extend it out and grow a ton, we have long ton days. of produce. So, um, but yeah, like this time of year, like I mentioned before, it's it's just about soil prep. It's it's adding adding everything you can to your to your dirt, um, coffee grounds, old coffee grounds, and eggshells. And you know, we one thing that we do is save eggshells. Uh, from all the chickens it's an easy way to add more calcium to like your peppers and your tomatoes and stuff like that and we just put them in the hot house and let them dry out bring them in and, and blend them up in an actual nutribullet and powder them and, and then they're able to absorb into the soil um there's so, so how do you things. know what vegetables need what what do you mean ryan's better at this than i am meaning you know, are do you give eggshells to everything, or no. do you give eggs? Do you give coffee? No, and that's to where everything? it just takes a little bit of research. You know, I, it it would take forever to go through every single plant and what's like the ideal. We should do a podcast like the on that. Ideal <laughs> situation. Um, you know, what? How much nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus each one is going to take to be like at its maximum. But, um, you know, it just takes a little research and figuring out, you know, which ones do better in a more acidic environment versus alkaline or whatever. But, um, you know, for me, that's fun. It's fun kind of learning how you can maximize every different one by just adding stuff or, um, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like this time of year, we're fortunate to have like worm castings. Um, we've got a ton of worm casting. So we add that to all the raised beds. Um, and that's just, that is just like, it's like supercharging everything. Worms are pretty important, right? For your garden? Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, yeah. Hence the, the worm castings. People actually pay money for worm castings, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks will, you know, introduce red worms into their garden, um, which, you know, all worms, they, they help with drainage. Uh, another reason to have a raised bed is with drainage. 
Um, I think I <clears throat> not all of my garden is is has been ra- into a built into a raised bed. Uh, I've got some like carrots and beets and taters and stuff like that not in a raised bed. But there's there's a lot of advantages to to just building up a simple little four by eight or two by eight or whatever size you want it um, raised bed and and putting in some good soil and, and planting it up. But um, yeah, so that would be my recommendation. I think anybody can kind of start a small garden and, and just grow with it. And I know we started really small with just these real dinky hot houses and uh, a little visqueen and some PVC, and um, then eventually turned it into something bigger but man i had some huge crops back in the day with just whatever i could make shift and and you know put over the hot hot, or put over my tomato plants to add some heat and keep the water off and uh real easy to do and uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money so i think i think it's it's just kind of a evolution you just keep learning things and um like you yeah ryan makes a really good fish fertilizer or something Ooh, that stuff is stinky, but it's good. Well, it's stinky right away, and but, then once yeah. it's it's done, it's not it's, that bad. But yeah, we have a we have a few recipes for like the eggshells, easy how to do that, coffee grounds, like you know, just talking about those things, and then the f- the fertilizer that Ryan makes, we p- we'll put some of those on the website so that you can see uh, see that and start doing that. Like right now, yeah, start saving your eggshells and save your coffee grounds. And if you don't drink coffee, you could go to the barista places this time of year. They start giving away bags of them, like their excess coffee grounds, like used up coffee grounds. You can get bags of it that way. Uh, and you know, with anything acid-based balance, just like in the body, acid-based balance is really important in the soil. And so when you start to grow things and you start to play, You'll plant things and you'll be like, oh, this is going great. And then it doesn't do anything or it doesn't come up or it, you know. Um, the other thing is pests. Those are kind of a big problem in some areas like deer. We don't have a huge deer problem here because our yard is fenced and we have a large fence. We've had. They come in on occasion and once chew up in a my great beans. while. They we don't beans. have like rabbits. And like, where my mom <laughs> lives in Montana, <laughs> you know, those kind of squirrels, rabbits, uh, deer. They'll just come in and decimate everything if they wanted to. So it gets a little more complicated. Well, it gets more costly if pests. you're, you know, you're starting a garden. You got to build a fence. You got to dig down, and um, you know, so you're not letting rabbits dig down, get get into there, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a little more cost involved if if you have those issues. But uh, here we have slugs, and I have slugs and I have and yeah acres. I have from seedlings. You know, I, I, I seeded like basil. I like herbs. So Ryan really likes to grow lots of vegetables and stuff. I mean, he's the big gardener with that. But I really like herbs because herbs add a whole lot to our food. They add a whole lot to nutrition. So I like herb beds and rosemary and, you know, all these basil and all this kind of stuff. And I grew, <laughs> I grew, remember that year I, I seeded all that basil. I grew it to a certain amount and I planted it out there in that box in the back and overnight, I didn't slug bait it. I didn't like protect it, but it was in a high box, a wood box that was high. And uh, and by slug bait it, we use like I didn't protect beer. it. We use beer. Slug juice. And because uh, I didn't think the slugs were going to get up in this high box overnight, I planted it the next morning. I came out. They literally ate every single basil plant that I had down to nothing. They were like little stems sticking out of the dirt. I don't know. Ah! So, 
I, you know, the, the pests can be an issue and you do have to, to learn to work with them. But in some foods they like better than others. They really like basil. They really like some of those herbs. They'll come in and those yummy leafy greeny type things. They'll come in and decimate them if you don't. Strawberries. Oh, strawberries. They like strawberries. Yeah. So and do there's, birds. There's so many little tricks to to doing it it's just you got to be vigilant about it you know we could put coffee grounds around the edges of the strawberries and and be fine for a while but if you don't upkeep and um you know make sure you 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 keep on it yeah eventually they'll find a chink in your armor and they will get you so (laughs) paley our older daughter will will be at a party or something she'll say dad why is that guy drinking slug juice that's disgusting (laughs) that's how she knows what beer is i don't drink it so yeah. But we sure use it for slugs. It's easy and um, cheap. We go with the cheap stuff for sure. But um. Yeah, as we get closer to as spring is going to be here in a month. And uh, as we get closer to summer and we start doing things, we'll just kind of start documenting what we're doing. And uh, we have some plans to put some freebies up like for greenhouse. And we just we just have a lot of things that we could do. It just takes just takes time. So if you have questions related to gardening or uh, any of the topics that we've talked about today, uh, feel free to send us an email. We are getting more and more emails these days, so sometimes we don't get right back to you, but we do appreciate that you are listening and that you have questions. And as much as we can help you, uh, we will. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Hey folks, thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Any comments, ideas, suggestions, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at lampers at stahealthyhunter.com, that's S-T-H, or go to our website at huntharvesthealth.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at stealthyhunter or at dochillery. Feel free to message me as well through Instagram as uh, I do really enjoy answering any questions related to gear, hunting, uh, food, or you name it. Tag your photos as well if you'd like at Hunt Harvest Health or Get Stealthy as we'd love to see what you guys are up to. Thanks. See you next time. Mm -hmm.